Welcome to Making Action Happen with Sarah Blackhurst and Brian McCain. We're here to discuss public policy issues in our home state of Colorado and beyond. Making Action Happen is presented by Action 22. Find out about our organization at action22.org. Now, here are your hosts, Sarah Blackhurst and Brian McCain. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Making Action Happen. I am Sarah Blackhurst. And I'm Brian McCain. And we have with us Micah Espinosa. I'm Micah Espinosa. Um, hi, guys. Hello. How are you? Good. Good. So we just came off of um, a very big weekend for us. We were up in Denver with all of our compadres from around the state at Voices of Rural Colorado. We did it a little different this year, and we wanted to give you a, this is a returning report on this weekend and all the things that we did up there and everything uh that we heard and saw, we, um, you know, we've launched the academy, the, um, the leadership, leadership policy and governance academy. Thank Sorry. you. No, I always have dyslexia. About I that. know it's either leadership oh, governance and policy, depending on what email you got, it switches, but officially it's LPNG. LPNG. And what did you just call it? The LP, the LPGA, <laughs> the ladies <laughs> professional golf association. <laughs> it's, it's also, a. What is it? It's like a cylinder that holds natural gas or propane is like an LPNG cylinder or LPG cylinder. <gasps> and I found after we named it and did everything, there's like probably 300 gas and power companies called LPNG. <laughs> 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 but I like it. Just kind of rolls off your tongue. It LPNG. does. Lipig. 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 The, um, little, the little pig. The, oh, the little pig. Or I guess with the and you could do LPAG. That sounds worse. That sounds worse. Yeah. <laughs> LPNG Academy. It's the LPNG Academy. So we fun. used uh, this event, um, annual event, as uh, instruction days for the academy. And I have to tell you, I'm going to fast forward for just a second, and then we'll come back to it. I think um, it was. I knew that this was a really big deal, but I think it was when um, our friend Mike Beasley was giving instruction on day two that I realized what a game changer this uh, academy is going to actually be. So I just wanted to return a report to all of you on how that all went. And um, there was some big announcements made while we were up there, some interesting things that we're going to have to look at going forward. And uh, we got to know some of our new legislators, especially the brand brand new legislators who um, came and visited with us. So, um, Mike, I'm going to start with you. First impressions on uh, um, voices. You were there last year. Yes. So that was your second one. So that was my second one last year, though, uh, if you'll remember. I actually ha- I had to miss a lot of the the talks and panels because I was doing interviews for the show. <laughs> I did like eight <laughs> interviews that day. Oh, that's right. That's yep. right. So I, I missed a lot of that. And so this year it was a lot more. It was, it was a ton of fun. It was so fun to be there and actually obviously we had some great speakers. Um, the one about crime, talking about fentanyl, of course, is probably my favorite. Yeah. Um, and the discussions that, cause that was right before we broke for lunch. And then after lunch, you know, hearing the people talk about that, that panel discussion was really interesting. And just hear, you know, some of the fears and stuff that people have, um, with the fentanyl situation, especially. Uh, and I was really sad. I didn't get to stick, stick around for all of set or Friday's stuff at the Capitol. Cause I had to go to Utah, but um, so I'm excited to hear your guys' take on that. 
So um, I'll tell you, let me go through this really quick before I get Brian's impressions. Um, so this is who we had speak on day one. It was um, our, we love him so much, the Attorney General Phil Weiser. He was the only, as it turned out, he was the only state elected f- official that showed up. And you know how important that is to all of us uh, that showed up for the um, the discussion presentation part, um, and then after that we had um, we had a reception with the governor uh, later that evening where we had a lot of legislators and other folks show up. But this was the one that we really liked. So we had Phil Weiser, then we had um, Kevin Brown, um, Jr. He's a water resource engineer um, for Cherry Creek. Cherry Creek Metropolitan District. He's a young guy, but he is so sharp. Oh, my I mean, gosh. the way he explains water, it's it's really amazing how he takes that super complicated subject and makes it so understandable yeah. for any audience. We've heard him twice now. And it was, it was so good because um, we had so many um, – local uh, officials, local local elected officials or municipal um, or county folks, local government people in the room. Then we had the um, Josh Neff from uh, Centura Health um, in Elizabeth and Fort Morgan, um, the Elizabeth Hospital in Fort Morgan, and he talked about the rural health care. We had, of course, the panel discussion you talked about. I put that panel together, and that was um, Dr. Sean Gogarty, who's done just some amazing work in addiction recovery. And then, of course, we had David Oleski, who is a special agent for the DEA, and Dave Lucero, who is a public county sheriff on that one. Innovations in agriculture was really kind of uh, interesting um, in a different way. We had Lori Borier from the National Farm Reporter. Um, we had um, Robert or Robert Sakata, who is a major leader in the ag community. Um, something happened. He wasn't able to be there. Um, but then we had Ron Meyer um, from CSU, and then we had um, Scott Scheimer from Cheyenne Wells talking about carbon farming, which was which was excellent. We had um, a rural economic outlook from the University of Colorado. Help me remember who from CU. I don't remember who from, who was the speaker. Oh, I from forget CU. his name, but it was really good because he really concentrated on Campo, Colorado, yeah. and broke it down how the school system works there in a small town and the challenges with that, and also the positives with that. So that was really good. Yeah. So the one that got the most um, attention, got the most fire, I think, was, of course, the energy panel. And they had Kelly Ashcroft. They hosted our sole outburst for the day. <laughs> I missed that. I was in the hall oh, talking did? to somebody. Yeah, people kept grabbing me and bringing me outside. So I, I heard that. And then, um, oh gosh, who was it that did it? Because he grabbed me at the reception. He's like, I apologize for that, but I don't apologize for that. It, well, it was J. Paul Brown. Yeah, yeah. J. Paul Brown. <laughs> That's why nobody so, said anything. Right, yeah. 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 Like, we're like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't going to interrupt him. Yeah. Um, it was Kelly Ashcroft from Black Hills, who's the v- the VP of operations for Black Hills. Of course, our good friend, uh, Holly Velasquez from um, XL Energy. She is an absolute delight. And again, our good friend, Mike Kruger. Um, from uh, he's one of our solar dudes from um, from Cosa yeah from Cosa um, and then we had um, Dan Haley actually showed up um, for the Colorado Oil and Gas Association um, and then that was moderated put together and moderated by Christian Reese um, then we had um, 
then we talked about DOLA and Prop 123 and, of course, Jerry Lynn Martinez from um, Chaffa and um, the executive director of DOLA, Rick Garcia, um, both spoke at that. And I was really wanting to get a little bit deeper dive on accessing funds, and they put together a really great resource kit um, to, for that, for that purpose that I asked him, I said, put it, I'd like it just to see it look like this. And Chantel from there took it and did, um, the second or did uh, a really great job. Um, and then we'll get into day two in a second, but Brian impressions from the day, from day one, this was, you've been to voices a few times, but it was always coming in with the congressman and going out. This was the first time that you were there for the entire yeah, because last year I had COVID, like yeah, right, right before we going up. Um, yeah, I mean, we would just go on and poke our heads in and say hi. So I've never sat through the whole thing, the whole two days. So no, it, it was good. Um, <clears throat> with the academy people that were going through, I think it was a good exposure. If they're not used to this sort of thing, um, getting up there, the amount of information they, they received. Um, a lot of them drove a long way and a lot of them don't come to Denver much and to put them in a room with, you know, 150 people that are all similar to them. And as far as their backgrounds and rural and stuff like that, I think it was, uh, it was a success. I mean, we had more people than the room can hold on that first day. Yeah, it was, yeah, we're going to need a new venue. Um, the other thing that we learned is that, uh, our, uh, my counterpart, uh, Christian Reese is she announced the night before that she's leaving club 20. She's been yep. there for eight years. And so, um, she's going on to CU where she's going to do community outreach for the Western slope on behalf of CU. Um, and we wish her all the best, uh, on that. Um, and we had a visit with, um, uh, the, some of the board members too, um, for that, yeah. um, that we're, that we visited on that. Cause this ends up being a really, actually a really important event that we do once a year that we have. Um, usually we have a lot more of our state officials and, and we know that it's, it's kind of tough cause it's the beginning of the session. Yeah. Most of them were stuck in session doing their job. Yep. Yep. So they were over there and, um, we have so many new legislators this year. And when I mean new, they're brand spanking new. To the, to the legislature yeah. and to the earth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To the legislature yes. and to the earth. Um, I think, uh, that, Mike Beasley put it perfectly. You know, one of the things that we talk about constantly on the state level is Tabor. And, uh, there's a, a good deal of the, um, legislators that weren't even born when Tabor was put into place. Yeah. When you said that to me this morning, I like, I, I hadn't thought of it in that regard at all either. Like yeah. I knew there was quite a few young young people who were who were in this this last election cycle but yeah that really puts a lot in perspective and like what we talk about with the academy and stuff and what we need these legislatures to, legislators to understand going into that role like like <laughs> before a time you remember because <laughs> <laughs> it's hard that you know you go up there and you're really excited to come off of a campaign and you want to you want to change things and you want to make a difference and and um you know, there's a process that's um, constitutionally in place, and and they're just learning that, and so it's yeah. it's fun to watch to watch that. Um, I think let's go back really quick to the energy panel. This was a really great panel, and there was an outburst. I mean, there's always an outburst of some kind what during was the voices. Outburst? I didn't hear it. So, um, Jay Paul, who Jay Paul Brown, who is 
um, an, a very important figure in the ag community. He's a former legislator, um, and he's got the respect of a lot of people. I think he was expressing some frustration about um, just how there's so much around legislation and energy right now that's adding burden. And um, he, I think he wanted to get the word out, even though those aren't the legislators who are making those decisions. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And that's the only thing that was really, I guess, odd about it. I mean, obviously the, uh, the level of enthusiasm was a little surprising to all of us at that point in the day, but um, you know, he, he said what a lot of us in the rural communities already know or already think or believe about, the way we're being regulated into some of these prices and stuff. And like I said, so it was somewhat misdirected just as yeah. far as who he was yelling at. He was preaching to the choir. But yeah. yeah, so like, so it wasn't even entirely necessary for him to do it. Like there was nothing gained from that, but. Well, but it, I think it, it really was a uh, great signal for the level of frustration that these guys are feeling because right. when you look at it, um, it is death by a thousand cuts. It's, um, added burden here, added burden here, added burden here. And just by themselves, some of these burdens aren't that much. But when you start to add them up, you know, when you if you've got $100, $15 doesn't seem that much if you have $100. But you do that enough and you're, you're in trouble, right? Yeah, and he's from, um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, I think he's from Ignacio. He was a county commissioner there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he... He served and then lost an election and then came back and won. But he's from one of the poor, I mean, everywhere in rural Colorado is poor, but he's from one of the poorest areas in the state. So he gets it better than anybody. He does. And and he had every, you know, I think the sentiment was shared throughout the room. It was just that these were the people who were trying to to get in front of some of these issues. And um, I think, and for, I think for all of us, it was a little bit frustrating that um, the only state people that were there were was Phil Weiser. And, of course, he did a, a, a really amazing job, as he always does, um, in showing up for us and talking with everybody. And he had what he did, is, in addition to that, is he had his whole team there. So he had his team stick around, and so we could connect with those guys. Um, I thought about it later. We had the discussion with the the mental health and crime nexus panel, and I went ahead and I told every one of those panelists, including you, Brian, just to say what you think. So Brian was on that panel as well. I, I failed to mention that. <clears throat> Two of them could not say what they thought. Two of them could not say what they thought. But, yeah, that's fair. But, um, I said it for them. Yeah. Right. That's why I put you on that panel, so you could say it. And so also well, Dr. We, Gogarty yes, could say it. And we know Dr. Gogarty's not... <laughs> at all bashful about saying what he thinks no not at all but i think it kind of shook people up and we especially the dea agent and that was really the sugar-coated version of the whole thing um david oleski because we the three of us heard him up at uh, uh, colorado cooperation and that was the one that we just we could barely like we're just barely holding it together as we hear these stories of kids dying from fentanyl um, and the man and the gentleman who lost two of his sons on the first day. But when he started to talk about numbers and why and all of that, I think it was really um, powerful that it's a business and the fentanyl issue is a business. It's not, it's not personal. And so because it's not personal, they don't care if people are dying from it. Well, and he, he, he told us um, on that lunch break, he was talking to us again, a little bit more about numbers. 
and how there was 107,000 overdose deaths last year, like 107,000. And then he was telling, now we've hit over a million deaths. A million people have died from, from drug overdoses. And, you know, 20 years ago, it was like, you know, a few hundred, like the number was, yeah. was like shockingly low to us. Yeah. The number. And now we're talking 107,000, like it's. Well, and, and, um, I, I appreciated the things that Dr. Gogarty had to say about, this is not an urban thing. Right. You know, when I've brought this up before, it's kind of like, oh, that's an urban issue. That's an urban issue. He's like every single place that he's served and they're all rural communities. It is, um, it's there. And he talked about even his son and we know him and what he's gone through um, with addiction recovery. And, and uh, Dr. Gogarty has been able to help him a lot, but you know, he said, look, I'm, I was an ER doctor for 15 years and I saw it day in and day out and I still missed it that my son was getting addicted to this. And so um, it was really powerful. But the, my big takeaway from that one was what he said is, you know, we're throwing all this money here or there, but what we need to throw the money behind is immediate care. You can't make somebody who's going through that wait days or weeks for help. They need help right this minute. And until we, until we acknowledge that and do something about it, we're, we're not doing anything. We're just, it's, it's like with plastic bags, you know, oh, we're going to pay, charge everybody. So we, there's less plastic bags out there. And then we pat ourselves on the back and say, oh, we did something when people are still walking out with, um, things wrapped in plastic and, um, and uh, shoplifting goes up. It's the same thing. Like we can't pat ourselves on the back for throwing money at something when it's not actually going to be effective, any kind of effective outcomes. Right. Well, and, and Dr. Gordy talked to you about like, I mean, he actually, what we love to hear is actual solutions. Yes. And whether or not it's actually how realistic it is to implement for some of our communities is, is a kind of a separate discussion, but where he's saying, you know, they really need to centralize mm-hmm. all that and make it like a one stop where, because right now the way the system is built, you have to, wait a couple of weeks to get an appointment to get in to see a doctor and you have to fill out tons of paperwork and you have to wait weeks, you know, again to go back and start like start treatment. And there's, that's just not realistic, especially and, with fentanyl where one time can kill you. Yes. It does kill you. And what do you call it? Centralize. And it was another, Oh, I'm going to kick myself. Yeah. I'll think of it. Okay. You think of it. Brian, what was the one, what was the panel's discussion that most hit you? Technically, I only listened to the panel I sat on. (laughs) (laughs) So here's how this goes. So so everybody was grabbing me and I was talking to everybody outside because it was a lot of people I hadn't seen. So I was in and out and like, you know, the water, it's very important, but I've heard it a million times. Um, And then, of course, you have somebody like, Brian, let's talk about this. Brian, let's talk about this. Um, the, but I did, I did sort of listen to most of it. Um, the drug panel, isn't that like an official term? Your, what's your drug panel? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So not a drug panel like that, but the panel on, um, crime and, and addiction, I think that had the most, the room was the quietest during that. Um, also the, you know, the, the rural education one, I did listen to that entire thing. Um, that one was really good because the guy, was one very entertaining talking about something that we all know right and go through but um he brought up some valid points and he wasn't i think he was from uccs mm-hmm. yeah, um based at springs. yeah and, and so i think people were th- you know thought that he would be some like colorado springs person coming in and saying like this is what's wrong with rural education well but he was you know he's from campo 
like, you know, so that, that was really good. And, and when he said that you saw everybody's eyes light up and they're like, Whoa, yeah, I know camp. And then like one of our Academy guys, Mark Westoff, who's the County manager for, um, I, I always Powers County. Powers, Powers. Yeah. yeah. You know, he was like, Hey, I need to talk to you about this. Cause I think we could come up with some solutions, um, that'll help both of us. So that, I mean, if anything came out of that day, that's worth it right there. Yeah. And then also again, with the fentanyl stuff about, you know, like this is how they do it. Like how many, uh, how many of our friends that have kids were just like, Oh my God. How how do you do this? That's why I said, check your phone, check your kid's phone. So there was um, one of the discussions afterwards, and you have to know that a lot of the discussions that happen um, offline and outside end up being some of the most valuable things. So we were visiting with um, the DEA agent stop, Dave Valeski stopped to talk to us for just a minute. And I say us, it was Gary um, Amella and Ryan McWilliams and a few other people. And they said, Okay, you kept saying check your kids' phones. We don't know how to do this. How do you right. check your kids' phones? So we're gonna go. We're gonna do another show down the road where we actually um, check sh- our kids' phones. Well, <laughs> check our kids' phones. But uh, actually, <laughs> how to do that? It all moves so fast. And there was a great. We had a great discussion. They're like, you know, Gary was like, I don't know. I I want it. I've got a fourteen year old or fifteen year old son, and I'm like. There's a lot of um, these nuances that we don't know. The way oh, they like communicate the, yeah, with each the other, the emojis stuff. and stuff. Yeah, yeah. that I, I have no idea. I've never been cool in my entire life. So how the heck would I know what so, emojis mean? What? So it's very true. Like what he said. Like you know, this means this. This means that. Another thing. But it also kind of reminds me of like the 80s and 90s where it was. Uh, you know, check your kids' notebooks because they're writing satanic symbols in it. So I think, you know, <laughs> like I was, I was like, don't freak out if you see this. Like, I, I know right. he said this means I want to buy drugs, but like kids use stuff. But I, I remember that because I wore like, I had some shirt. It was a, what was it? It was a Frank Frazetta shirt. You guys know who Frank Frazetta is? He's like one of those fantasy painters. He, he did like guys with axes. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Boris um, Vallejo's another one, you know. Um, I'm, th- I'm thinking like ni- late 1970s, 70s rock album covers and, you know, stuff like that. So I had this shirt and it had this dude with an ax and he had horns. It was like some really crappy Viking warrior novel that was like awesome when you're 14. And right. now I, I tried to read it and I was like, what the, what the hell, hell was I thinking? <laughs> Uh, I mean, I mean, it's like Conan the Barbarian type sure. stuff. He, he actually used to paint Conan, Conan the Barbarian as well, but, um, so my dad had uh, all these like books from law enforcement. That's like this means your kid is into Satan and all this. And so my mom sees it, and she's like, "You know, are you a saint worshiper? Because I see you have this T-shirt that you're wearing, and you read these books. You know, kind of going yeah. back to the old D and D. Like, not everything means your kid is like buying fentanyl and stuff like that. But right. at the same time, one one thing that um, he brought up, I told a few people this. It's like not only the Snapchat or whatever they're getting on, but um, you have to be aware of if they're paying money right through their phone, um, which you can do with, you know, you could connect their phone if they're buying something to you. So you'll get a notification. I think it's called green money or something right. like that. And that that's even more important because if they're buying it, you know, online, then you'll know. It's right. like, why'd you spend $5 on something or $10? And you know, what was this? But at the same time, if they're like, meet me after school, it's like, how do you know that other than being 
overly involved with your kid's life, which well, he, nobody he told can do. Us, he told us a story too about a high school in Denver that they got a call about because a dude was parking his parking his van in front of the high school to sell drugs. To sell drugs, yeah. And I was like, I think you should send that guy up to Rye. <laughs> we'll yeah. get that squared away straight yeah. away. Well, and on that too, I got to follow back up, but um, we're going to have somebody on the show that's kind of an expert on the cartel side of it, how they're bringing this in. Um, so hopefully next week we'll have that. Um, that will probably be one of our best shows that we ever record. I actually am going to talk to the the person and see if we can do three hours and maybe split it in half. I think it's a great idea because, I mean, this is something that – you know, we talk about the top issues in housing, 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 which is incredibly important. Um, and it's a struggle everybody's very aware of. Um, how we approach it is is very different. Um, you know, and then, of course, we're talking about water and economic yeah. development, all those things, crime. But this issue is something that well, we, we say, have to. We talk about those issues because of how they disproportionately affect our rural communities. Right. Whereas this final one, you know, and they made that emphasis several times that it is regardless of socioeconomic yeah. Yeah, it class, matter. it doesn't matter. It affects everybody. Yeah, it's like some, you know, college kid buying cocaine, trying it for the first time, dies of fentanyl. Somebody that's hooked on heroin for 20 years dies of fentanyl. It doesn't matter. It's And, and they're it's getting better the all the time because it's such a big business. They're getting better at it all the time. Yeah, and, and he made a point to say, you know, this comes from China. It's chemicals through China, manufactured in Mexico, shipped over the border. He didn't really touch on that, um, and, and we'll talk about this in the next episode or when we do the episode, but, you know, it's not just manufactured in Mexico coming over the border. It's manufactured in other states. So mm-hmm. a lot of the pill presses, um, they go to Utah, like Utah that's where all the pills were coming from. Right. I don't know if that's the case anymore, but it was like Utah, Wyoming. So they would move certain stuff there, press the pills, distribute them from there. Cause you could go Northeast Southwest from the Western slope of Colorado and Utah very easily. Well, I 15 was like, was the highway for heroin for so long. Yeah. Yeah. And if you go straight North, you know, that's money laundering cause Chicago is where that's why any organized crime they're always wanted in Chicago that's why cartel guys, when the U.S. busts them, their warrant is out of Chicago. And we'll get into that on the show. But, you know, that Highway 50, I-70, I-25, all these, 15, all these just go northeast, southwest to the population centers. From Mexico to Canada, from the east coast to the west coast. So I guess that's sort of the point of this whole thing is while uh, there's a lot of uh, issues that get talked about, Voices brings out issues that... Yeah. Um, that are just as important, if not more, but that aren't getting talked about because they're just yeah. not sexy issues. They're just not the things that um, by by the kind of time in the media that um, some of these other things do. Uh, but that doesn't mean that it's not it's not killing us literally. Um, so there's that. Hey, Brian, what I wanted to know is, so this was the first sort of outing for the academy. How did you, how did our fellows do while they were up there? So. And I hate calling people fellows or students and all that. <laughs> it annoys we me. don't know what to call them. Let's call them professionals. professionals Let's call them, Brian likes to call them professionals. I just like dudes and dudettes. Um, <laughs> if we could say that anymore. Oh my Punch God, how old are you? <laughs> um, I'm bringing those terms back. So so we did, we, we launched this. It was they like a... Left me. <laughs> yeah. It, it was a very quick launch. It was like to the point where we need to do it now or just not do it. So it was pretty rushed in the beginning and everybody understood that it was like, Hey, you want to go through this? You have a week to let us know. Yeah. Um, and 
I was expecting like 12 to 15, and we ended up getting around 25. I think uh, we're going to – there's one that's dropping off, which is fine. It's just time. But um, we had our reception, and, of course, in traditional Colorado weather, um, half the people couldn't make it because a snowstorm hit that night. So I, I met with them all on the side, and then uh, Thursday and Friday was officially the first kind of like, this is what we're doing. Instruction so we, days, yeah. Yep, we combine it with voices, which again put a lot of these rural people in front of resources and information that they don't get to see very much. So they appreciated that. And then on the second day, everybody kind of split up. Pro 15, Club 20, they did their own thing. And then Action 22, it was really for the academy, but we had some of our board members and and members stick around to watch, but I, you know, we had about 20 of them in there for that. And it, it was great because one, we had James Eklund come in and, um, he's kind of controversial right now, which, which is fine. Um, and and, you know, he was like, fire away. I'm going to get in front of you and talk about this, um, and answer any questions. And it was, it was pretty civil. Um, surprisingly, I thought there were going to be a few people that threw shoes at him, but, there um, weren't. No, that there well, weren't. I was going to ask that. I mean, did they? So they were pretty civil with the questions. I mean, did anyone hit him with like anything? No, no. It no. was well. He's always so instructional. Yeah, and I mean, he and he says what his position is right. on it. Right. Yeah. So he's like, I'm one of those damn dirty Democrats, um, but this is a private property issue. Yeah. Um, and he talked about private property and. Um, you know, his frustration with it's, there's extreme every, you know, political extremes are, are the norm of the day. Um, but he does such an outstanding job. Yeah. There, I mean, there were some people that had issues, um, about some other stuff going on, but that was primarily from the Western slope and they weren't on our side of the, the day that day. But I think the club 20 people might've gave him a piece of their ear when he was over there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a few people caught him afterwards after, um, he wrapped up, but then we had a uh, president commissioner Grantham <laughs> commissioner, president Grantham. Okay. Wait, okay, let's just talk about him for just a second. So for our listeners who don't know, Oh, they know who he is. He is so Colorado. So he is, uh, he's recovering legislator, and then he's also um, former Senate president. So before Leroy Garcia yep. was Senate president, he was Senate president. Of course, he's from Canyon City. He's from Fremont County. Where he's a county commissioner. And currently. now he's a county commissioner there. I never know how to address him. He's just like, just say Kevin. But he, um, we asked Senator him to Senator, president, commissioner, wait, commissioner, Senator, president, Grantham. That's officially it. Commissioner, Senator, president, Senate president, Grantham. I'm not, I can't even get LPNG right. Like I said, I, I just call him sir. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Let's just do that. He, yes, he, sir. he knows the process inside and out. He's kind of one of those people that was fed up with everything and ran and won and then made it to the top. And, oh, and, and he was on the JBC as well. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he literally ran um, because he was just fed up with everything and wanted to make a change. And so he's a perfect example of that. Um, you know, from Canyon city, not the biggest area, Fremont County, but, um, he had a lot of power when he, he got up there and did some good things. Um, I guess, depending on what side of the aisle are on, but he's, well, he's respected all respected, around yeah, yeah. from both sides. So, and we adore him. He kind of got up there and, and I actually pulled into the parking lot at the same time as him on Thursday. And he's like, what do you want me to talk about? And he's kind of going over it. And I'm like, you know, let's, um, let's make it simple. Like, pretend you're talking to second graders and go from there. And he did. And, and I, I wanted it really simple. 
and mm-hmm. easy to follow because there were, were people that had a lot of experience that didn't need to hear from them about, and this is how the legislative process works and, and, um, you know, from drafting a bill, what it, what it goes through to voting on it and the political nuances of it and stuff an insider's perspective. So there are people that had no idea what, how this works. And then there were people that had a very good idea how this works. And it was interesting because some of the people were throwing the, I have no idea what I'm talking about questions. And then there were very specific questions from other people. So it was good. Well, and we had, um, of course, uh, uh, representative, former representative Valdez, uh, yep. Donald Valdez was up there. He's going through the Academy. Yep. Um, and he's not on our action 22 board now, and he's still going through the Academy and he was up there. So he helped. And then we also got Carly West yep. to get up there because I think one of the things that's hard to wrap your brain around in Colorado is a lobbyist in Colorado is a completely different animal than would, a lobbyist in DC. I would disagree with that. Okay. Like they kept saying that and Beasley, Beasley said that and Carly said it, but I, I don't think so. I think they're the same. And I think there are the evil lobbyists in Colorado and there are evil lobbyists in DC, but I, I think that it's about the same. And I, and part of that too, is from a lobbyist perspective, if you tell somebody, you know, in DC, I'm a lobbyist, they're like, Oh wow, cool. Awesome. If you tell somebody you're a lobbyist in Colorado, they're like, we hate lobbyists. They're evil. And one way to get out of that is like, no, 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 no. I'm not a DC lobbyist. I, I lobby the state and it's a good thing. And here's why. But in reality, they do the same thing. Like, they do the same thing, but they're, they are vital. Oh yeah, yeah, they are. And, and that's what I, I always say too, that, lobbyists are not bad. They're, they're very much needed when it comes to the legislative process, whether it's state or federal. Um, I, I don't dislike lobbyists. I, you know, I like most of them, but there's a lot that I dislike. Um, and it's just one of those with anybody. It's just like a politician, everything in there. Well, and Carly's been around for such a long time, but throughout the, um, the great thing about our lobby is, um, they very much understand, uh, what the issues are they have conversations with us all the time um they're they ask us for i I mean i get during the session i'll get several calls a week um but our lobbyist is uh mr mike beasley who who is um for us and and anybody in the arena he's a bit of a legend and so so i i would say this the lobbyists that we deal with with action 22 and speak to they're all awesome. Oh, yeah. so good. But not so all of good. them are. Like right. there's the, and, and I'm not going to name names, but there's some some out there that There are. Um and I don't think that they ever approach me. I don't know what it is. I was going to say they, I think they self-identify as far they as self-identify. they identify. They'll but. come yeah, they'll come up or or there was a what somebody was taking I was talking with Garen Vorthman um last session and somebody was came up and they were first they were standing next to us. I was like, is this person trying to listen in? And then oh. they took a picture and I was like, what's going on? They're like, oh, they're, they're trying to figure out who you work that. for. Yeah. Yeah. That's what so, they were. So real fast, um after that we had um of course we had a chaotic lunch. Oh yeah, tell me tell me about the lunch. We couldn't touch the tables, and everybody's like, "We're oh. just going to put the." T-. It was kind of funny. I was like, "I'm not touching the table." So, so it's a, it's a little bit complicated to do a lunch yeah. and do food in a public building, right? Because you have to go. This is our space right here. Right. Well, and the public building is the state capital in this. The public instance. building is yeah. the state capital. <laughs> no, so there's a lot of um, gatherings in the west foyer of the state capitol. And so um, you have to you have to book it. And 
there was some there were some things, but they're incredibly accommodating. Yeah, it was fine. We but just couldn't use tables. That we people couldn't use in. tables, and the we brought the chairs in. And the acoustics are horrible. Yeah, that's that's so. I, that was a failure it's, on my part no, to have like a a mic and all that because that's usually how they do it there. Yeah. Um, so, um, this was really cool. What we did is we sent out, um, to the entire legislature an invitation to come and have lunch with us. And so we got down there and, um, there were chairs and everybody, you know, pulled out chair and we're rural people. We know how to adapt. And so, um, we, you know, we had lunch, we, you know, brought in, um, lunches and of course you know you have to go through security with the food and all of that with the boxes and everything um so they did all that and then we had um we had some really great some seasoned some young legislators that came down and visited with us and and we appreciated it so much um and uh we were happy to have them there and I want to say, so um, our legislators that were there, when I say are there, the, you know, they're in the Action 22 footprint. Um, Rod Pelton came down. Um, Paul Lundin came down. Um, and then there were several new ones. We had this really Martinez. Gr- Martinez. Oh, yeah. Matt Martinez oh, yeah, came in and out several times. That's great. We were thrilled to see him. Um, and then we had legislators. We had this legislator from Boulder who's brand new. Yeah. And I can't think of her name. I was going to write it down, but I was busy trying to manage stuff. And I was like, I didn't think, Brian, write these guys' names down. You also had Stephanie Luck. Um, Stephanie Luck came in. Oh, that's right. Stephanie Luck, the new one. Um, why is... Weisberg. I forget his name. Um, he was appointed in the position after um, McKean passed away. Yeah. So he was so, brand new. I and think he, it was, it was like, like his, his first, first or second day. So he comes in and one of his colleagues had come in and spoke. Oh, and wow. then he's like, hey, this guy right here. And I was like, oh, yeah, come over. He's like, I'm not a politician. She kind of panics. He sounds British. I think he has a, a bit of a British accent. Right. So, so at yeah. some, at some point, Rod Pelton came up to him and said, um, Senator Pelton goes, speak English. <laughs> um, and then we had a couple of them. It was really great because they instantly knew. So one of them was a former, um, uh, county commissioner in Boulder County. Um, and she came and she knew she was friends with Lisa Powell, who is a city councilman for La Junta. Right. So she came down to see her. I don't know how these two are friends, um, but Lisa it doesn't. Pantoya. Oh, say, yeah, oh Lisa, Pantoya. Yeah, yeah. Yes, Lisa Pantoya. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Lisa Pantoya. My my mistake. Thank you. Um, and came down and they were visiting. Oh, cool. And then um, there was one other. Uh, and I feel bad because I can't remember her name right this second. But they came down, and, and the thing that we really liked to hear is that these folks are very much about local control and keeping, because that's one of the things, these preemptive land use issues that are coming up. And there was a press conference, and the governor talked about um, statewide, once again, um, just a few, at like an hour or so ago, is again talking about um, statewide land use and statewide yeah. building codes. And that's very alarming to our local officials that that, that those powers would be taken away or, or preempted um, on some of these issues because um, it's not a one-size-fits-all in any way, shape, or form. I think that freaks out our local officials, but I think our legislators, it doesn't freak them out, and I think they want to see it pass on one side of the aisle 100%. Um, yeah. And I think you're right on that, Brian. And that's, and that's why they're, they act concerned about it, but I don't think they're that concerned about it. 
Well, they, um, and we'll get into that in a second because we heard from. We'll talk about that more when it comes up because I think you're going to see some people that may be saying there's issues with it, not necessarily fight against it. Um, yep. And then we see the ones that are avoiding the question altogether. Yep. We'll talk about that when we get to Saturday morning. So after lunch, we had um, Mike Beasley, um, who's been on the show many times, um, basically come in and say like, I, it wasn't even a, how the government works. He went over like how a bill was written and passed in the process, which Kevin Grantham kind of commissioner, president Grantham went over a few times and in, in detail. But the thing with that is he walked everybody around the Capitol and said, look, when you're looking for money, don't talk to these people over here, go to this room. This is where you want to go. Um, when you want to talk to a legislator, you go stand right here and you talk to them. See these people over here. Don't talk to them. They won't do anything for you. They'll just like you know blow. He smoke really up did say that. Yeah. And then he's like, "But these people over here, if you talk to them, you'll get what you need, or at least a right. good answer." That's a, um, that's a hell of a tour. It, no, oh it, my it was gosh, good. it that, was so good. I, I my only regret was a lot of people had to head home around that time. But I'm just going to go over who's going through the academy real fast. Yeah, do that. To, would you to kind of show how it's very diverse background of people. Um, Did they all, really quick before you do that, um, I was going to ask you, because I had a couple people ask me, you know, who who here all is going to the academy and stuff. Yeah. Um, do, do you feel like they all got to connect with each other pretty oh, much? Oh, yeah. I know yeah, they did. Because we kind of had to do it a little disjointed. Yeah, no, they, they, they actually really did. Um, so we have... Uh, they fellowshipped. They, they fellowed. <laughs> they fellowed each other. Um, so this is in alphabetical order. Um, of the first name, not the last name, because I saved the Excel sheet wrong. Um, <laughs> so we have uh, Sherry Chamberlain. Um, she's in Huerfano County. She does building code enforcement. Chris Bolt, he is the director of operations of Pueblo Plex, which, here in Pueblo, the reuse authority for the depot. Um, Daniel Horton, he's with Urban Renewal in La Junta. We have Donald Valdez, who you all know is the recovering legislator from the Valley. Um, Jacobo Varela, he runs uh, Veterans Upward Bound and the Trio Upward Bound and through CSU Pueblo, but he's at every community college in the southern part of the state doing that. Um, Janelle Quick, of course, she's the executive director of the Pueblo Hispanic Education Foundation. Um, Jason Munoz, he is the marketing and community relations from NeighborWorks of Southern Colorado. He also has run for office many times and um, he's, he's on the, he runs as a Democrat and he's looking at this as just a great opportunity to interact with people that he usually doesn't get to in his um, day-to-day mm-hmm. job or campaign stuff. Um, our friend, Jason Nagy, is that yes. how you say his name? Yeah. So he, he's uh, the founding executive director of the Workforce Housing Innovation Coalition, and they're looking to do some workforce housing here in Southern Colorado. And he is a Denver guy, but we'll, we'll give him a pass. Yep. Um, Jen Ferda, um, she's the director of community engagement and local government affairs for by, UCCS. By the way, Jen Ferda asked all the best questions. She did. And yeah. she actually had a good idea that I'm going to implement here yeah. in the next one. Um, we have Mayor Joe Ayala from mm-hmm. uh, La Junta. Uh, John V. Hill, he's on our board. He is also with Black Hills Energy as their senior program manager in community affairs for Black Hills Energy. Um, we have Kayla Torres, who mm-hmm. you'll see here at Everything Action 22 does. Yeah, yeah she's, <laughs> she's wonderful. With, Community relations from uh, New Elk Cole down by Trinidad. And then Cole Kelly, the the lawyer, 
from Denver. The lawyer. <laughs> the, lawyer. the Denver lawyer that will also give a pass. Yeah, we'll give him a pass because he's originally from the Valley and his family still has ranch. He's down such there. a beauty. He's also on the foundation board mm-hmm. um, to, that kind of oversees this, and he is a natural resources lawyer. So that's a that's a great person to have on. Um, Councilwoman Lisa Pintoya, she's from La Junta. Um, she's, she's awesome because she admitted or admits that, you know, she hasn't figured this out and she's never done anything like this. So she's just soaking everything up like, like a sponge. Right oh, now. and she just had the best attitude. Yeah, yeah. It was fun to see her kind of open up like as, as the voice on, on the event on yeah. Thursday. Yeah. yeah. Cause this was outside her, hers um, yeah. comfort zone yeah, for no, sure. She's great. Yeah. Um, Mark Westoff, who mm-hmm. is the county administrator for Prowers County. I think he's six months into the job. He was working in like insurance and then wanted to move back home to a, the rural part of the state. So he was just firing questions like constantly. Well, and he's all about the collaboration. Like I've heard in every conversation, he's like connecting, like maybe we can help each other with this. Well, and he was nominated by Dr. Lujan and in usual fashion, she is right on with him. Yeah. And then our friend, Michelle Gardner, Mm -hmm. um, she was not able to make this because she was um, on vacation. So that's (laughs) that's past, but she works for the uh, farm credit of Southern Colorado, but she's been involved with everything community um, wise from the La Junta region. And She's definitely here. part of our family, right? Yeah. She, she helped work the redistricting stuff as a community outreach person. Um, councilman Naaman Thurman. He's from Trinidad sits on the city council. He's a, a transplant from Nolens. Nolens. Yeah. And, um, he was actually, he told me, he said he was coming up to Pueblo, stopped in Trinidad and never left. And now he's on city council. Yeah. Also, he doesn't know this yet. So if you're listening to this, um, you are going to cook for one of our meetings. Oh, that's oh right. yeah. Have you heard about his like yep. his, uh, crawfish boil? Yeah. Oh yeah. Straight from Nolens. Um, then we have Nicholas DeSalvo, who was one of our first guests on the Yay. show when he ran for Pueblo West Metro district. Um, he's a student up at CSU Fort Collins and he's probably going to be the governor one day, mm-hmm. if not yeah. the president. And then our friend Ryan McWilliams, who runs water tower place, um, he has graciously allowed us to use his space for this academy and our classes. So we really much appreciate that, right? And, and to, we're still looking for the and door. And to scare our friends. Yeah, <laughs> and to scare our friends. And, um, and really just show off what can be done. Like, Yeah. You know. yeah. Um, then we have Ryan Sablik. I think that's how you say his name. I never asked him. But he's he's also out of Huerfano. He's a building and code enforcement guy. But he... he, uh, I, he used to or does on some contracting companies and ranch land and stuff like that. Well, and he's another one. You can just tell he's just soaking everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. he's lovely. Yeah. Then uh, our friend Shannon Wallace, she's yep. the city manager from Rocky Ford. Um, she's really like, she. I, I mean, it's Rocky Ford. Um, and I and this is not disparaging Rocky Ford, but they need all the help they can get. Because well, she's also the mayor for Swink, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. So she's in one of the areas that's really kind of hurting economically uh, right now, and and she's looking at this as a great opportunity to help grow her yep. her area. And then our friend Commissioner Tony Haas. Tony Haas. Oh, he's so pretty. Yep. He's just gorgeous. From Los Animas County. Los Animas County. We love him. And you know, a rancher and he's professional the kickboxer yeah, and <laughs> bull rider. Um, don't get on his bad side because he will knock you out. We are unreasonably in love with him. Yep. And then of course our friend Travis Grant, who is the yeah. staffer oh. for our um, Congressman Ken Buck. And he covers the Eastern Plains. 
I'll let it out. He doesn't live in our area, but he covers our area. So we'll give him a pass too. And, and just that group of people being in there with Beasley and specifically, you know, we, we were the thing that was reiterated the most. And I asked some of these questions to kind of plant the seed. It's like, well, you're a lobbyist. Can you testify? It's like, yes, I can, but we don't. And it was good to see the first group say, no, we want to hear from people. And this is why it's important to testify. And, you know, Beasley even reiterated that, like, it's more impactful if you show up as an individual, not like a paid person or part of a group and say how this impacts you or why you support it, why you oppose it. And due to COVID, you can do that from home. I still think it's better to show up in person to these things. And I will drive a bus full of people up there if we ever want to do that. But that was what I wanted them to see. Um, in rural Colorado, it seems like we don't have a voice in Denver, but we really do. And what we learned from everybody speaking is that they will listen to our voice. We just got to make the effort to get our voice there. Because a lot of times it's like, well, you know, I asked this too. It's like, well, why should I go up and testify? They're not even going to get to me. You, you know, one of those things. And I'm like, well, that's not necessarily true. Um, and they, again, they, they said, no, they will listen to you. And the best was when Beasley's like, especially if there's reporters around, because even if they don't agree with you, the reporters will write what you said. So, yeah, well, and you know, I speak from experience and, and I'm, it's not easy to intimidate me, but I remember the first couple of times I went up to testify, it is intimidating because you don't know. And I felt like Beasley and Kevin Grantham um, and Carly um, and even Valdez all gave, um, everybody the confidence like okay this is something that absolutely not only can you do but we need you to do that yeah so so just be aware that you're going to hear a lot from this academy and and brian just listed off there's no slouches we everybody who's in the academy had to be be nominated by one of the boards either the action 22 board or the action 22 foundation board they had to have a letter of interest they had to send us their resume um, they are very serious about um, elevating their skill level and serving and serving their community. And so you're going to see some amazing, amazing things about as we strengthen that voice. And going to the next part of it, some of these people need money to go through the academy. Yes, so they do. as we go forward, I'm going to bring some on the show and we're going to talk about that. We're working with them to chase down some sponsorships, some scholarships for it. So I think um, we'll also feature some of these people on, on the uh the podcast that can come on and just say why they're doing it, what they're working on, that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, yeah, just uh, keep listening. We'll give a progress report as we go forward. We're meeting once a month and probably more than that outside of our official meetings. Mm-hmm. Um, again, a great group of people that are going to do big things and they're starting to realize that they are more influential than they realize. And that's the power of rural. Um well, in the misconception of rural, too, like, it is easy to almost, like, silo yourself into these small areas and think, like, yeah, think you're not that talented or special or whatever because you're the mayor of Swink. Like, that's just not the case. And, you know, so it is up to us to show them that a little bit. But I think Brian's right. Like, you could see that. You could see the lights starting week, to last weekend, yeah. come on. Um, yeah. It was it was really special. And like I said, when we were sitting there and, and Beasley was um, – Beasley was talking, I got for the first, I knew that what we were doing was special, but I didn't realize how impactful this is going to be. I, 
I didn't really get that until we sat there and I saw, I was watching those lights. Right. I don't think anybody did either. Like Rick was, everybody from Action 22 is like, holy cow, this is really cool. You know, when we pitched this to the board and everything, like, you sure you can do this? Is this just going to yeah. be this? Yeah. Like, it, then, like, okay, <laughs> go have fun with that. Right. Yeah. And right. now it's like, holy cow, this is, this is big. big. Just start. We, again. <laughs> we did that. But yeah. there's divine intervention in this. Let me tell you, this was not, this was a team thing and it wasn't, but we, we had, it was miraculous, right? Yeah. It's nothing short of miraculous and, what we and did. And he won't take the proper credit for it, but Brian really did like the heavy lifting. Oh my stuff. gosh. So yes. Sarah thank you. Thank you for saying that. As much as we could or should have, but, but really this is Brian's It's been baby support. It's been support yeah, role heavy stuff. Um, for him. And, but yeah, Brian really, really well done. Um, putting the class together and, and doing all that. Yeah, everything we've done has been really supportive of yeah, you. Yeah, we're just so, we're here to help. And that's yeah. why we're calling you the Supreme Chancellor. Yep. Supreme yep. Chancellor Brian. So now as we close this, because we're at about an hour, um, I'm going to, I'll tell a funny story. Um, the Chinese hot air balloon or water oh, yes. balloon. So <laughs> they finally shot it down. I was like, well, we're not going to shoot it down. It might land and hurt somebody. I think they're probably just letting it go to see what it did. And then they'd shoot it down and recover it somewhere. Yeah. Um, I had the same thought, but this is, this is how politicized the news is, um, which we did talk about over the, the Thursday and Friday. So as I shot it down, of course, like you have people like, why didn't you shoot it down earlier? It's not going to hurt anything to like, uh, you know, just yelling about it. But I saw like five news articles today that said like Biden is the first president to spot these balloons when many of them flew over under Trump and the Trump administration failed to spot these balloons. So they somehow tied this balloon to Trump messing up. And again, I'm not saying I agree with Trump totally like nonpartisan, but just watching how, you know, it's. How they spin just it. how the, they spin it, like how you know, bad the media like, misses Trump. <laughs> yeah, like I like I read that. And I was like, what? Anything? And of course, my first thought is, could Joe Biden see it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's he was briefed. He was briefed. He was briefed. And then, he was briefed. And then somebody made a fake account on Twitter for the Chinese spy balloon. Oh <laughs> yes! And I saw it today. It says. Uh, let me find it. I took a picture Ted of it. Ted Lasso's mustache. It says uh, Chinese spy balloon at Chinese spy balloon on Twitter, and it's blue check mark verified. <laughs> it says, it's a picture of the balloon. See? And it says, I have information that will lead to the arrest of Hillary Clinton. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so I, I'm glad we people have a sense of humor. We can't laugh about that. Yes, we yeah. have to be able to laugh about that. But all right. Um, wait, one more thing before we go. I wanted to um, give a shout out on Saturday morning. So, um, so some of our local um, folks are doing a legislative breakfast on Saturday morning, and, oh, yes. and Dwayne um, Dwayne Nava is the um, CEO for the um, Pueblo uh, Greater Pueblo Chamber, and he did his. Um, they, and their team is so great. Um, I just wanted to say there was a couple things that really stood out on Saturday morning because that was the first one for these new legislators. And I was so super impressed with both Ty Winter and Matt Martinez. Um, and in particular, I was impressed with it was very, very clear to me and I think to several people in the room because I had several people comment and, and text me afterwards that these two new young legislators are very much about, uh, I'm at least for right now, we'll see as they get a little bit further down, but they're um, very much about representing their 
their constituents and representing Southern Colorado. And uh, they did an outstanding job and they actually answered questions. Um, but it was clear to me that um, where their hearts are, are for their communities. And I want to give them both a shout out for, for making, uh, making that, not just making the effort and not just being spoon fed um, information, but really asking the questions and, and doing all the things that we like to see brand new legislators do. So I just want to give a shout out to the two of them. That's awesome. Cool. So, and with that, um, that's the, a wrap on the episode, Brian Proviso. The disclaimer. Not, oh yeah, I guess this has nothing to do with elections. So the views and opinions expressed on making action happen do not necessarily represent the views and opinions or positions of Action 22, the organization, its board, or its membership. They're purely our impressions. So, all right. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next time. Thank you for tuning in to Making Action Happen. Be sure to join your hosts, Sarah Blackhurst and Brian McCain, for another edition of the show on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a good week.